Welcome to the one and only Circle City Cinema with your host and the one and only Zach Griffin. Welcome into Circle City Cinema, kicking back up with our Marvel series. Alex Burr is back. Alex, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, I drove from one uh, from one Big Ten town to another today, Zach. So I, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, ready to talk about talking to the Winter Soldier. Yeah, what was the vibe in Bloomington? What was, um, the, what was the general vibe? Just sadness? Desolate? I mean, Bloomington isn't pleasant to drive around because now I've driven there twice in like the last month, right? But Bloomington is huge. <laughs> I, di- I didn't think it was that big, but Bloomington it covers a lot of land. So, you know, I was like, I spent probably like an hour in Bloomington just because of how, and I only had three stops. So Bloomington is huge. And then I, ha- I ended up in West Lafayette. Actually, funny enough, I was only five minutes from Mackey. So, oh. and only three minutes to see a game. Oh yeah, totally. I, I totally <laughs> wanted to just hang out in West Lafayette all day, Zach. You know, you know me. <laughs> you can swing in and see a game. You got your credential on you. You can get in. Get in. I mean, I, I thought about it genuinely last weekend, but I'm like, would Malcolm approve? And I, <laughs> I said, because I thought about going to the Florida Oral Roberts game during the round of 32, and I'm like, you know, probably just will. Let's not and say we did. So, you think I can use my 2019 credential from Minnesota? Absolutely not. <laughs> I could guarantee it does not look like the credentials this year. Uh, well, come on, you don't think I can sneak in? <laughs> I, know I mean, the, the security at the uh, at the Farmers Coliseum was pretty lax, but as they're as they're moving to venues like Hinkle and Banker's Life, yeah. Yeah, they got they got to be they got to be tight lipped on security. Yeah, all right, fine. I just wanted to. I was just, I was just asking for a friend if I could sneak in. <laughs> uh, but Alex, we're here because the Falcon and Winter Soldier premiered uh, last week. I did not. We I was not able to get an episode out on episode one, but I want to briefly touch on it before we get into episode two. What were your first impressions of this series, especially coming off of Wandavision? So the difference between this show and WandaVision was that at least the first episode was that there was no action, discernible action for the first, like, I mean, you could say the first, you could depend, you could define discernible action in whatever way you want. In episode like, one, episode one, two, you know, seeing um, Monica get thrown out of the hex in episode three, but you don't even really see that until episode four. Right. Whereas this one, you're pretty much in the action straight away. Action starts. I mean, immediately when the when Sam saves the hostage, airborne. Yeah, that. So that was something that stuck out to me. Like this is going to be a completely different kind of show, and I I like this kind of playground that they're fostering, where they're doing just oh, completely yeah. different genres of show. I will say, just off the Wandavision fatigue, like you know. <laughs> It has only been a couple of weeks since WandaVision wrapped up. Like we're still in the same month and we're on episode two already of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So the hype level is considerably different at this point than it was like on episode two of WandaVision. I mean, I'll say episode three because obviously the first two episodes of WandaVision came out the same weekend. Right. But 
I'm absolutely excited to see where this show goes. And I'm surprised. Like, it feels like this show needs to pick up the pace, too, because there's only four more episodes left. So I don't know what possibly they could be doing, but I thought the first episode was good, and I thought the second episode was better. I don't think uh, spoilers will be as much of an issue with this because WandaVision, you know, the whole the whole tone was uh, mysterious, trying to figure out, you know, what's real and what's not. We're not going to get that here. You know, that's that's basically everything here is just happening in the moment. I feel like with WandaVision, you're constantly thinking, well, what does this mean? What does this mean for next week? You know, so I don't think we're going to get that here, which is not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. I think sometimes that can hinder the show and take you out of the moment, but uh, not here. What was your favorite scene from episode one? So it's probably the bank scene or I liked Rhodey talking to Sam in the wherever they were like, right. That's like the national mall where um, they hang up yeah. cap shield. At least we think it's his shield is going to hang up there. Yeah. We don't obviously again, like Zach's right. This isn't going to be as spoiler heavy as WandaVision, but still, if you don't want anything spoiled, we probably should have said this five minutes ago, but you shouldn't yeah. be listening. No, you shouldn't. But this is going to be coming out on Monday. So if you haven't watched by now, you know, you're casual. (laughs) (laughs) That's I see you're taking the Caleb Lynn approach to our listeners by just insulting them. Hey, speaking of which, uh, we have some breaking news, Alex. LaMarcus Aldridge signs with the Nets. Uh, Wow. He was projected to go to the Heat. Yeah. Quick thoughts on that. How much more scoring do they need? (laughs) How much less defense do they need? <laughs> Here's the thing, Zach. We just did our Nets week, so I, I looked. I had the benefit of looking at some stats. With Harden, with Kyrie and KD not out there, the Nets defense was actually, it wasn't great, but it was just a little below average, and the offense was obviously elite. It wasn't laughable, you know? It wasn't, no. it wasn't like Wizards or Kings level bad. No. and saying something, I think. And LaMarcus is going to be able to space the floor. I just don't know where he fits in. I don't know if I'd rather play him or Nick Claxton or like, I mean, I'd probably DeAndre, if he's playing hard, I'd rather play DeAndre. So it's going to be an interesting fit for sure. And I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see what happens with that. I imagine you and uh, Dylan or maybe just you talking about it next week with Dylan Uh, on the sidelines. (laughs) uh, No, Dylan's going to be coming out strong. My friend, he needs a couple. He is. He is potting hard. He just needed um, last night off because, you know, he just got a surgery on Thursday. But trust me, he is lots of podcasts in the future for Dylan Hughes. Don't don't need to worry All about right. that. Awesome. awesome. But, yeah, where were we on the uh, well, where were we back to this? Uh, you said your favorite scene, right? Yeah, I, well, I said it was either the um, the bank scene or the scene with Rhodey in the um, in the National Mall. Oh yeah, yeah. Those are good. Those are those are really good. I didn't have those here. Um, I would probably go with uh, the Bucky nightmare reveal, where you know he's getting coffee with uh, his neighbor who has lost his son in some mysterious way. The government didn't tell him what happened to his son. They just told him he was dead, and we learn in a nightmare that uh, Bucky killed him when he was still brainwashed by Hydra. So that's uh, that was tough. Tough pill to swallow. <laughs> the phrase skeletons in your closet is often overused. But for Bucky, for James Buchanan Barnes, <laughs> I don't, uh, his closet is a literal graveyard. 
like Let me a, ask you like, this. I mean, obviously, uh, who would you rather be? All right, Wanda, have everyone you love die, or Bucky, have your mind taken over and you have to kill for a living? Oh man, this is not. It's not a question I want to answer. <laughs> it's tough. Well, you would like. This is something I was kind of wondering about in the moment. Like, I'm surprised Bucky remembers all of that. Like, I'm surprised yeah. that that's stuck in his mind because it's like he was on autopilot. Yeah, but he, somehow he remembers all of them in his dreams. And I'd say, you know what? This is a tough choice. And I can't believe I'm saying this. Give me Wanda. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I, I didn't even think about this part of Bucky, you know, getting getting into the therapy sessions a little bit. Like the PTSD on this guy, it is unbelievable and totally understandable. I mean, he wakes up, sees his friend, recognizes who he is, can't do anything about it. Then has to get shit taken out of his head in Wakanda by people he just met. It's just... He's being hunted by people he doesn't even know because of things he did that he wasn't able to control. It's just, it, he's been through a lot of stuff, but uh, I'm glad all it's finally, you know, somewhat behind him. Um, and Alex, I have some, a couple of history lessons before we get into episode two. If you remember the Flag Smashers, who, based on what's going on now, the main antagonists of the series, the original. Uh, Flag Smasher was just an individual. It was not an organization. Carl Morgenthau, and has been renamed and uh, regendered into Carly Morgenthau for the series. Uh, the first Flag Smasher was born as Carl Morgenthau, the son of a wealthy Swiss banker turned diplomat in Bern, Switzerland. Wow. Banks in Switzerland. I would have never guessed. <laughs> Who would have thought? He wanted to follow in his father's footsteps and become a diplomat until his father was trampled to death in a riot at a Latvian embassy. Some serious Lion King vibes there. Uh, Latveria, Alex, I don't know if you're aware of this. The country Doctor Doom uh, runs in mm. Marvel Comics. <laughs> Did Doctor Doom throw him over a cliff and say, long live the king? I, I don't think so. I don't think he did that. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been a little too on the nose. Uh, Carl came to believe that humanity needed to do away with the concept of countries and nationalism, basically wanted to get rid of all borders and saying that these things made people feel superior to those of different nationalities. And this is really mirrored here uh, by the flag smashers in the show, preferring how the world was during the blip years where everything was just kind of chaotic and there weren't any borders. So that's basically where they're coming from. They preferred the blip years uh, there weren't as many authoritative figures in the world, in their opinion. And uh, honestly, they were probably right to some degree, but they didn't have to go and do this. You know, this, <laughs> this is a little too much. And then uh, the U.S. agent, who is a.k.a. John Walker, who showed up at the end of episode one as the new Captain America. This little excerpt is from the 2016 edition of the Marvel Encyclopedia, which I believe is the most current one. And you can get it at Barnes and Noble. That's where I got mine. It's a, it's a very good resource. And if you if you're like a diehard fan, I think this is a must-have book, Alex. This, this is a phenomenal book. 
<laughs> Got a lot of good information, it looks like. It does. Uh, so the U.S. agent, ex-soldier John Walker, struck a deal with the power broker, who is mentioned by the Flag Smashers here in episode two, to become the super patriot. Later, Walker replaced Steve Rogers as Captain America. When Rogers came back and reclaimed his shield, Walker assumed his costume as the new captain and became the U.S. agent. During the Civil War period, he joined the new Omega Flight, which is basically the Canadian Avengers. Uh, fighting alongside the Avengers at the end of the Dark Reign, which is a storyline in Marvel where Norman Osborn gradually gains power and eventually becomes president of the United States. Lex Luthor did something similar to this in uh, DC Comics. Uh, so in that period, John Walker lost his arm and leg and later became the warden of the Raft Super Prison, which, if you remember, Alex, we saw this at the end of the Civil War movie. That's right. Um, Scott Lang. And was They were all locked up there at some point, right? Like, and Tony was talking to him. It and was uh, Scott, Hawkeye, Falcon. Was Natasha? Um, I don't... Th- she might have been there. I don't remember. I know those three for sure were there. But... Uh, Eventually, John Walker becomes trapped in an alternate reality with the Dark Avengers, and he bonds with a lobotomized Venom symbiote, so it does not have the brain capabilities of the normal Venom symbiote, and he uses it to restore his own limbs. And just as a PS, he has all the same abilities as Captain America, but he's still considered like a knockoff. (laughs) That's rough. Yeah. And uh, in this series, he does not have the serum, though. He does not have the Captain America abilities. So, wait, wait, before we move on, is that like Kobe Bryant being an all time great, but still being considered an MJ knockoff? <laughs> it's, it's kind of the same thing, right? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, how about this? Um, Cap is Joel Embiid, and US agent is Andre Drummond. That's 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 too far in this series. Yes. <laughs> yes. In terms of the series, the, the TV series. Totally. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Let's Was just it move too on. far. Did I go too far? No, that's probably right about that's probably right about there. Either him or Whiteside. <laughs> it couldn't be an NBA discussion without me taking a shot at him. Drummond's better than Whiteside. Come on. Uh, Come well, that's, on. I, that's why I said Whiteside. To be fair, that's, <laughs> that's why I said Whiteside. But. All right. All right. Um, so the plot here, Alex, I'll run through these real quick and then we'll hit them hard. John Walker becomes the new Captain America after Sam gives up the shield, much to Bucky's dismay. Uh, Sam and Bucky then go and investigate the Flag Smashers together, and uh, they have a pretty epic fight on top of some semi-trucks. It was really nice. Um, We learned that Carly Morgenthau is one of the leaders of the Flag Smashers. Uh, Sam and Bucky visit Isaiah Bradley, who uh, was a super soldier during the Korean War era, actually fought Bucky when he was the Winter Soldier, and he has a pretty rough backstory. We'll get into that later. And then the Sam and Bucky therapy session as part of a condition for their release. And then Sam and Bucky decide to visit Zemo, of all people, to learn more about the Flag Smashers and the Super Soldiers. So, Alex, let's start at the beginning. Give me your uh, initial thoughts of John Walker here. So, when we saw him at the end of the last episode, right, we didn't know his name. 
And I just looked at him like, this dude looks like a giant dork. But then he doesn't, when he doesn't have the mask on, he's incredibly gruff looking person, but just like something about the mask and why Russell is the guy who... I totally agree. He looks like a goof with the mask on. But when he doesn't have the mask on, he looks like, he looks fucking cool. He looks like a badass, yeah. He's Kurt Russell's son for those that um, don't know. Yes, the son of Kurt Russell and uh, Goldie Hawn, Wyatt Russell. And he, like, he has like the charm—not like of his dad, because his dad is all time. But like, he's got—he's <laughs> got I that just, tough guy vibe. Like, how much did um, Chris Evans wear the mask when he was Captain America during the movies? Like during the first one, yeah, yeah. And like d- towards the end of Winter Soldier, yeah. But for the most part, he operated with it off. Yeah, right. Can we agree the best Cap look was in Infinity War when he had the beard. Totally. That that's my favorite cap look for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So I obviously get why they're making him wear the mask because he at this point he's still more of a symbol than anything relevant in the show. So but this it kind of humanized John Walker at the beginning cuz you know he's at his high school um his initials and jersey number are still on the <laughs> locker which I mean, you got to assume John is in his mid to late thirties. That's some pretty impressive, uh, some pretty impressive Sharpie right there. (laughs) Um, What's up, baby? I'm sorry, my cat is in here and she is, she is making some noises. If you catch that, I I apologize, (laughs) but I can't. I don't want to move to get her, so Uh, whatever. (laughs) Gonna have to deal with it. Um, No, I think that Walker, he, I think you can understand his point of view. But I think the thing about the character is you can understand why Bucky and Sam, Bucky in particular, is incensed. Yeah. You can understand why they're pissed off because this guy is coming in. He thinks he's doing the right thing, which we can all sympathize with for sure. Yeah. I mean, he says multiple times in this episode, he's just trying to be the best cap he can be. He's not trying to replace Steve. But your point on Bucky, like, it cuts to Bucky when Walker's being introduced as the new Cap. He looks pissed. He's, like, disgusted. He's disgusted because... For two reasons, I think. One, because Sam gave up the shield. He's really not happy about that. And uh, he's disgusted that they let someone else take up the mantle of Captain America. Yeah, and the Sam giving up the shield drives a lot of the plot in this episode. Yeah. And... I think they'll spell it out in fuller terms later why Sam gave up the shield. Cause I feel like it's mostly been subtext so far rather than actual text. Yeah. But cause he says, you guys wouldn't understand. And I think what the show is assume what that means. Yeah. Yeah. What the show is kind of laying out and we'll talk about it more later is the show has a huge racial component that I don't think probably either of us would have seen coming, coming into the show. We simply and, haven't seen it. Probably since Black Panther. Right. And like, this is different. Like Black Panther was more African stuff, right? Like not like it dealt with the African-American struggle in Oakland for sure. Like that was Killmonger's whole thing. Yeah. But this is taking it like that was more implied off screen too, right? Like he said, like Killmonger was talking about stuff that he'd seen in his community, whatnot. Right. 
this is more we're seeing what's being done to Sam, right? We see in the first episode, the reason why I chose the bank scene as my one of my favorite scenes in the first episode is like, look at the difference between Bucky and Sam, right? Bucky has received a pardon and he's living in a cushy apartment in New York City, right? Yep. Sam is having to do contracts with the Air Force and God knows where he's actually staying, first of all. Oh, we haven't seen it. Right. I, I think he had a house in D.C. in a house or a condo kind of thing in D.C. in Winter Soldier. But and then they had to go on the run. Yeah, they had to go on the run. They had, to, you know, then he got blipped. They both he got, got blipped. blipped. Exactly. And now. And we see that he's he and his sister are ejected for a loan at the bank. And it asked a question, I think, where we were all curious to know. And I don't think they're actually going to come back and answer, which is a shame. But how did how do they make money? <laughs> Yeah, that's with uh, Bucky. It's it's really unclear. But like we can assume Sam is getting a nice paycheck from the Air Force. Bucky, what what do you what do you get? It some Uber Eats, Bucky. Come on, at least. Like, <laughs> it's because Bucky's apartment for a New York City apartment. It's big. It's nice. I mean, that's at least a thousand a month. You think? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's a nice. That's a nice cushy apartment. <laughs> thousand a month. I I've seen. I've heard about shitty New York apartments going for two thousand a month. So oh wow, that's probably near there. Uh, like it, it looks shitty. I guess it depends where he lives, right? You know, if you live in like Manhattan, then yeah, you're gonna be paying more yeah. for rent. But if you're living in like I don't know, like in Staten Island, some that, part of Brooklyn, yeah, yeah. So, something like that. But I think that the show is going all in, not all in, because they're obviously it's a Marvel show and they're. They have other priorities, but I I like the lens that this is taking where (laughs) Sam doesn't trust anybody (laughs) because it really doesn't like and it's I think it's what him and Steve had in common. (laughs) Even with his sister, you can tell like he's not all the way there with her. And I think that that's the angle the show is going to go at. And I think that's why Sam was so pissed. Sam himself was pissed. And again, that's subtext right now. It's a pretty good chance that becomes text. It and, almost uh, became text when they went and visit uh, Isaiah Bradley. Mm-hmm. That we'll, we'll get to that later. I love that scene, but let's yeah. go ahead and let's go ahead and move on with the plot. And I'll, um, yeah, I mean, what did you feel watching Bucky get on Sam? Basically this whole episode about the shield. To- I mean, I totally get it from Bucky's side, you know, Bucky, you know, in his eyes, I, 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 before Endgame, I thought Cap would give Bucky the shield. Uh, but now that I think about it, I don't think Bucky would have accepted the shield because he's still trying to deal with everything he did as the Winter Soldier. He wouldn't have thought he was the right guy. And you can tell when, when uh, Falcon got the shield, Bucky approved. He was like nodding his head. He was happy about it. And he's really pissed now that, you know, Sam gave it up. He, 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 I think he even says, you threw it away like it was nothing. And we get really more in-depth on what the shield means to Bucky, what uh, kind of what Sam means to Bucky when he talks about what Steve thought of him. So I totally get where Bucky's coming from. But I don't think he... He might not be capable of seeing, just because of his attachment to Steve and the shield, I don't think he's capable of seeing uh, Sam's side of things. <laughs> And also, um, the elephant in the room here, Bucky was born in nineteen in the uh, 1920s. 
um, <laughs> a thriving time in American history. Yeah, you know, real um, economically, socially, just thriving. Re- real, real progressive time, especially in terms of racism. You know, <laughs> I've often heard people say, "No, I, I don't mean any of that seriously. Don't take that." Out. You know, I've often heard Herbert Hoover was a great president. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> But you have to like, I feel like Bucky just can't understand. Right. Because he was first of all, he was a a mind controlled robot for how like 70 some years. Right. Right. At least. But also like when he was alive, segregation was a very real thing. And, you know, Bucky, by all accounts, you know, I mean, he's very clearly not a racist. But even like if you're not a racist, you just have life. You have things you can't understand coming from that perspective. So well, I we think see- the big thing is Bucky's just coming at this from hey, this is what Steve wanted. Why mm-hmm. did he want this? I don't get why he didn't want this. And he's not asking would Sam want this? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So right. also this was a they weren't on screen together in episode one, as far as I know. No. So this was their first time. And I like uh, how they didn't make a big deal out of it. He just showed up because like, come on, these guys already know each other. <laughs> We don't need a big deal. We're not going to talk. Let's let's talk about this because we're not going to talk about the hangar scene. The banter in this episode between the two was great. Awesome. Like just the the general banter, and I think that's what livened up this episode for me in part was just the. Um, I think those two. I think Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie just have. Like we saw it in Captain. We saw it in a uh, Civil War. You know they were bickering. They're two of the best actors in in the MCU. Oh, no doubt. I think Anthony Mackie is great. Like the, yeah. What he can convey. Yeah. Just like through looks like he's really good at that. Um, he's very good at playing an asshole. If you've ever seen million dollar baby, he, he plays an asshole in that movie. He's very good at it. I hadn't, I haven't seen eight mile in forever, but I totally didn't realize that he was, he's great. he, He was Clarence. Yeah. Who has both parents and have a real nice marriage. <laughs> and then he took I watched a beating. The, he took a beating in eight mile. Hey, that's that's the lesson we all should learn. Be more self-deprecating, and you'll get you'll get very far in life. That's <laughs> that's what I took from eight mile. And also, don't shoot yourself like Cheddar Bob did. No, don't. Um, but I like the um the Hobbit line. Like it was in the previews and stuff, but it's yeah. still funny. It was <laughs> like so I re- I read the Hobbit when it first came out, nineteen thirty seven. Bucky didn't strike me as the type. Lord of the Rings guy. Bucky's a pseudo intellectual. Who knew? <laughs> Tolkien fan. Bucky Barnes. <laughs> uh, and then we get Sam and Bucky investigating the Flag Smashers. This is really. I mean, I can't think of another time. This is probably the first time since Civil War they've worked together in some capacity. Yeah. And I just got to say, the fight on the semi trucks. I mean, you could tell you can tell it's fake, but it's awesome. It's awesome. It's totally awesome. <laughs> I've heard this multiple times on different podcasts, but Sam just lives to get his ass kicked. He does. Like in this in this series. Like he gets his ass kicked by Ant-Man. Yep. Um, oh, whooped. We could just go down the list. And it sucks because he's just the guy with wings. He doesn't have any actual superpowers. Like all he has is a wing, all he has is wings and some guns. Um, the semi semi truck fight scene was awesome, right? Like just the whole element of it, like the shield getting thrown in when 
Bucky and Sam are down for the count. And then, I mean, they still lose the fight. Yeah, they decidedly lost. I mean, the uh, Morgenthau's crew, they kick their ass. Yeah. So, yeah, totally. I got to say, when uh, Walker and Battlestar showed up, I was happy. I was glad to see him. <laughs> I, don't know I mean, it was weird seeing Captain America have a gun. Dude, what that a was shot. A- Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brick, you killed a guy. You might want to lay low for a while, Brick. <laughs> you probably That's wanted a- for murder. <laughs> Another movie I need to watch again because I've been an anchorman in forever. But yeah, that was weird. I mean, I didn't think Battlestar's whole shtick of just flying from the helicopter and drop kicking dudes was particularly impressive. No. Personally, but oh, he got it. He got put in a headlock pretty quickly. Pretty oh quickly. yeah, <laughs> like if we're gonna, can we? Can I just ask you? Did it feel like they like nuked Bucky's powers? Bucky, uh, I'll give Bucky this. He was caught off guard. He thought he was saving a hostage, and he wasn't. But I gotta say, hanging on for dear life from the bottom of a semi, not a great look for the former Winter Soldier. Was it like, didn't he have, wasn't, didn't he get the super soldier serum? Some form of it. It wasn't the exact form that, uh, Dr. Erskine came up with for Steve, but the Russian form. Yeah. Like, cause wasn't the whole thing in civil war before Zemo unveiled his actual plot was that there was like eight more Bucky's. Yeah, exactly. That's why they're going to Zemo at the end to try and figure mm-hmm. out, you know, what the hell. So they all dead. Yeah, I thought that it was weird because I feel like Bucky should have kicked their asses. Yeah. Like, I know that they're all super strength people, but Bucky is the Winter Soldier. He inspires fear around the world. He, he does. And, you know, I think this is some kind of upgraded version of the serum, which makes sense. I mean, it's been 70 years, 80 years. I mean, science evolves. <laughs> you, you make stuff better, but I think that's what it is. Um Carly Morgenthau, fun fact about the actress that plays her, played Emphis Nest in Rogue One. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, who? Uh, do you remember that rebel group who was fighting against uh, Crimson Dawn? They wore masks. They were on the... Uh, mm. They fought Han's crew on top of the... Uh, or not Rogue One, Solo. I I'm was, sorry. Okay, Solo. Solo. I haven't seen Solo in a while, but that I, I was like, Rogue One? I just watched Rogue One. I don't remember seeing no, her. No, 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 no. Solo, I mean. Yeah, she's in that. She's pretty good in that. And she's only 22. So I was today, gonna... uh, 22 years old, and she's been in the MCU and Star Wars already. Um, now I feel significantly less accomplished <laughs> in my life. So <laughs> thanks, Zach. Well, me too. Me too. Um... Sam and Bucky then visit Isaiah Bradley, who is another fun fact, played by Carl Lumley, who voiced the Martian Manhunter in the Justice League cartoon. Uh, I'm going to let you riff on this, Alex. I just felt like this scene, right? First of all, it goes back to um, to, to Baltimore. I don't know if it's West Baltimore. You know, I, I don't know if we'd see you know, our good friend Marlo over there. Um. I thought that this scene was just very, very poignant because like we see that Isaiah Bradley is a super soldier, right? Like we see 
we see very clear indications of strength. He tells his story, right? Like he was in Korea. Bucky was um, killing people over there, right? As a Hydra agent. And then they drop Isaiah Bradley in there and he, he destroys Bucky. And then what happens is, is they, they imprison Isaiah Bradley, presumably for racist reasons. And then Hydra and the U S government experiment on him for the next 30 years. Yeah. And you could tell, that this man is incredibly bitter and angry like and not just because of just because bucky like for more reasons but he's also angry that bucky seemingly has this new start on life where he can just roll up to his house in baltimore and find him while he is just i mean let's face it like it's not poverty right the house is kind of nice but also the inside of it's nice outside looks pretty rough you would think that Isaiah Bradley, right, a super soldier who won battles for you in Korea, would be treated better than he has been treated. And I think that's part of the that's part of the sad part of it. Just like he got completely fucked over because he was black. And it that's a really sad component. And I think that's one of the bigger elements of the story. Like it's just the whole yeah. you know, getting mistreated because you're black thing. So yeah, I mean it's un- it's unclear why he was thrown in prison for thirty years. Um, it's also unclear why Hydra was also able to experiment on him. Well, Hydra infiltrated the U.S. government, so that, that answer is obvious. But well, you had to you had to bring it up. Yeah, you, you got to point out the flaws in the government system. <laughs> Listen, government security not so good. You say? I, no, no. Um, I. <laughs> I could name a thousand more characters. I trust. I think. Don't say it. <laughs> Hold on. I have Don't to look say up his name. I think. Don't say Hayward. No. Oh God, no. Hey, not Hayward. <laughs> it's a Sopranos character. Um, who's the son of? Who's the son of? Little Carmine would have run the oh. uh, security for the. Oh. <laughs> For the um, U.S. government, better Little than Little Carmine Lupertazzi. <laughs> oh man! Hey, between him and Rusty. Oh Jesus, Frankie Valley. <laughs> Frankie Valley was in like mentioned in the show, and then he's also an actor in the show. <laughs> you love to see it. You love to see it. Here, here's my take on this scene with Isaiah Bradley. Best acting in the series so far. Not even close. Oh, yeah. I mean, Carl Lumley shooting like 70% from three in this in this scene. Yeah, he's dunking from the um, half court line. I all like sports, like sports analogies aside, he's just acting his ass off. And you I love when people throw their fastballs in series like this, especially when they're good, because when they're good, it just enhances the product that much. And you could like you could feel the genuine rage. Yes. I'm lonely. His lip was quivering. I love what he did with his face. Get out of my house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was genuinely it was genuinely great. And I thought it was necessary, especially to to elicit the um to this kind of a transition here to elicit the argument between Sam and Bucky that got the police called. And funny enough, the one officer profiled Sam basically and was like sir is this man causing you any trouble and then the o- other officer had to whisper like he's an Avenger <laughs> and 
He's like, oh my gosh, so he's sorry, man. <laughs> he's quite being racist for once. See, that guy's that guy's helped save the world. You dumb fuck. He probably saved your life. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, so, but then I th- think it's funny that. It's like, oh, yeah, well, Sam, you're good, but Bucky, you need to come with us. You're under arrest for basically missing. Uh, what's new? Bucky under arrest. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> the, career... <laughs> the career criminal going back to jail. <laughs> but... <laughs> no, so, I mean, that whole scene was was a good scene, and just I think that's another tone setter for the show, and I'm curious to see where they go with it next episode, but... Um, how did you let's just go on to the Sam and Bucky therapy session yeah. how how did that whole sequence how did you feel about that whole sequence well it wasn't I don't think I'd call it clearing the air because there's still clearly some beef but uh, it was a start for them Got they got it out there what they had issues with I mean like I said earlier Bucky being upset that Sam gave up the shield I think it's totally justifiable um, and Sam says he thought he he did what he thought was right, which I also see that side of it too. But you kind of get the feeling that once they figure out this flag smasher thing, they're gonna go their separate ways. I'm not buying that. I think uh, at the end they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna come together because it's what Steve would have wanted, and it, they're gonna work it all out. I mean, what do you think? Listen, you know, they're definitely gonna not fall apart because why would they right like that just feels antithetical to the whole point of the marvel universe right they're gonna be they're gonna be partners forever they're gonna team up with some other organization right i feel like one of them will be chris in the new captain america after they expose john walker for the fraud that he is at the end of the series yep he is a fraud (laughs) but yeah, I think that they definitely like there's always been some underlying tension there, right? Like I talked about it earlier in Civil War, right? And there very clearly is tension there because they're both like, oh, it's a weird situation where it's like, oh, I'm your best friend. And then the other guy's like, no, I'm your best friend, right? Like it's weird when you have two people competing for that same, for that right. top spot. And I think that that's the tension in their relationship right now. In addition to what they feel like, I understand why Bucky is mad at Sam, but once Sam actually says why he did it, which he, again, he hasn't said exactly why yet, but yeah, once he does. And once he explains that to Bucky, I think it'll, I think Bucky will understand. Hopefully I, I can't say for sure, but I think that, I love that this show is giving us windows into their souls more because I, I love both of the characters before and now we're going to get six hours of these two characters. And I think it's going to be good for their development. It's going to be good for our understanding of them as characters. You love to see it. You really love to see it. <laughs> and then uh, they go and visit, they go and uh, visit Zemo. I gotta be honest. Um, uh, when I looked at the timestamp, when they say, when Sam says, we're going to see Zemo, there was like six minutes left. And I was like, oh, cool. We got some Zemo. No, no, just credits. <laughs> you have to remember, Zach, these Mar- these uh, Disney shows all just have six minutes of credits now. <sighs> even I was Simpsons. really disappointed. Yeah, even The Simpsons. 
I watched Homer at the Bat, which is by far the best episode of The Simpsons. If you never, if you've never seen it, basically it's a bunch of '90s baseball players, uh, and it's basically like the natural. It's basically a combination of a bunch of '90s baseball players in one episode, with Homer Simpsons being the um, the natural. The, <laughs> who, who's the guy that played the natural? I can't remember. Robert uh, Redford. Robert Redford. That's right. Um, Alexander Pierce. Yes, yes, yes. For MCU connection, but that's a great episode of uh, The Simpsons if you want to kill 20 minutes of your time one day. But yeah, I was a little upset that um, we didn't see more Zemo, but I think that's what episode three is going to be all about. And then Zemo is going to break out of prison. Yeah, let me ask you that. How do you think that's going to happen? Because we know we know it will happen. We've seen in the promos he's wearing the mask from the books, which I love. What? How do you? How do you think he's getting? That? Is is he wearing a Flag Smashers mask in the promos? Uh, he's wearing a purple, like, sock, which is basically what he wore in the books. <laughs> I got. I have a theory. Let me hear it. I think Bucky busts him out. Hmm. Yeah. So, hmm. Why? <laughs> Because Bucky wants to, he knows how dangerous this serum is if it's in the wrong hands. And he wants Zemo's help to help him find it and destroy it for good. So he's going to bust him out. I I could see it. Can I, can I talk about a couple scenes that you didn't have in there? And they're both um, Flag Smasher scenes. Yeah. So the first one is the scene where they go to the hideout in uh, Munich, right? I think they're in Munich. I'm pretty sure. Some, somewhere in Germany. Somewhere in Germany, and the, um, first of all, the gracious host made chicken livers, and they just totally just like ew, and then they didn't even <laughs> think about eating it. Those bastards! That, that should have turned people against the flag smashers right away. Um, but then the second scene I thought was good for the flag smashers was the scene where they're running away from the power broker, and they're trying to get supplies somewhere, and the guy sacrifices himself for that. And Morgenthau, you can see, um, yeah, Carly Morgenthau, she's shedding a tear because of the sacrifice that he just made for the uh, cause. And my question is for you, do you think that we're going to view Carly Morgenthau by the end of the series as a sympathetic villain? Or do you think that there's some kind of heel turn and that Zemo will ultimately be the big villain? Well, I definitely don't think she's the, the big bad of this. She seems too human to be that. Um yeah, I think she will be sympathetic by the end of this. That's my guess. Because people love, like, in the show, like, the people that she's interacted with, they love her. Yeah. She's a very popular person. Um, This anarchist cause is very popular. Oh, let me get back to that point I was trying to make earlier. I saw that the whole, like, Morgenthau was a good villain for Captain America because Captain America symbolizes nationalism. Right? Oh. Blind nationalism. She doesn't want that. She doesn't want that. And obviously yeah. Captain America's not there, but these guys are basically the spirit of Captain America. Yeah, that's right. That's what they and are, yeah. She's gonna be fighting the actual not actual, but actual in uh air quotes there, Captain America. So Yeah. I think that I like that take. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens with her arc too, because I feel like we haven't gotten a whole lot of her, but I feel like by the end of the show she's gonna be a sympathetic villain. We can also probably count on a fight between uh, Walker and Battlestar and uh, Falcon and Bucky. That's definitely oh, yeah. going to happen. 
Because Walker even says, like, you better stay out of my way if this is, a, if this is how you're going to go. <laughs> how many times in a movie, after someone receives the you better stay out of my way warning, have they actually stayed out of the way? Never. Never in the history of movies. Also, Bucky will kick your ass, John Walker. So just, <laughs> just get out of here. <laughs> he should kick his ass, but Bucky... um. Just lost all his powers apparently, you know, in Wakanda. Hey, he was caught off guard. That's 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 my excuse for Bucky on the semi truck fight. He was caught off guard. Listen, I just I just need to see I need to see more. You know, like this is like he's coming back from an injury. You know, it it's he's the Victor Oladipo of MCU stars right now. He's been slow out of the gate this season, is what you're saying. Oh yeah, slow out of the <laughs> gate. He got traded to the Rockets. You know, he might he might need uh... some. Uh, you know, we'll see if he can bounce back on the heat. <laughs> <laughs> see what happens with Bucky. Uh, Alex, who's who's your big winner for this episode? It's got to be Morgenthau, right? Like, it's got to be gotta be Carly Morgenthau and the Flag Smashers. I mean, they successfully are spreading their propaganda. Their propaganda is becoming more, more popular. Oh, I was going to try to make a pun there, but it wouldn't have worked. Um, <laughs> Solid pick. I think that she I think that she won. She's advancing her cause. Um, she's really doing helpful stuff, right? Like that's something that we didn't really brush on, but she's, you know, she's helping people that are getting ignored now that the people from the blip are coming back. It it makes sense, right? Like you can get behind her as a villain. I'm curious to see what'll happen because we still have four more episodes, but I think that She's definitely the biggest winner of this episode to me because Bucky and Sam kind of took L's in this episode throughout it. They totally did. They totally did. Who's your biggest winner? My big winner is Isaiah Bradley. What a heat check. (laughs) Showing he still got it. Yeah. I mean, when he threw the... um, I don't remember what exactly he threw that got lodged in the wall. It was like... uh, Man, I don't know what it was. It was like a cookie tin, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. He just launched that thing into the wall. <laughs> I mean, and his grandson was immediately like, "Let's go! Come on, let's go out!" <laughs> he's like, "I've seen this side of I've seen this side of Grandpa too many times." Dude, what's it like when he's watching uh, the Ravens get beat on a Sunday? He's just throwing shit all over the house. Conversely, what was it like in two thousand when <laughs> when they won? 2000 or 2012 i forgot you know yeah. only 11 only 11 years ago in the marvel universe what was he like when uh, the titans shut down lamar in the playoffs i imagine shit was flying around the house <laughs> was he blipped was lamar jackson still alive it's <laughs> a good idea i don't know well based on the way he played in that game you could have said he was blipped oh no zach <laughs> You're sounded like a regular old Bryce Shaddy over here. Hey, Bryce. No, no, no. Don't do that to me. Come on. Bryce. Bryce acts like Lamar sucks. He's a scrub. Come on. Come on now. I have to continue our like podcast streak of taking shots at Bryce Shaddy. I'll, I'll love Bryce. I'll love. But yeah. So let's let's move on. Who's your biggest loser? My of this biggest episode? loser of this episode. It's John Walker. John Walker showed up. Uh, acted like he was going to clean up the mess from the Flag Smashers, ended up getting thrown off a semi. Thought he was going to easily recruit Sam and Bucky, and that didn't work. And now he's made enemies of them. So that's, if that's not an L, I don't know what is, Alex. Yeah, it's pretty hard to argue against that. Um, 
I'll do yours and I'll lump Battlestar in there too because he got he got thrown off of the truck too and he probably would have died if it wasn't for Cap Shield. So definitely would have died. Broken something for sure. Broken definitely a tailbone. Broken hip. Yeah. Tailbone, hip, maybe a couple a couple vertebra. He's out for the season. Out out for the season. He's out for like five years. <laughs> You break your back, buddy. You're out. Hey, You're... Tua came back from broken hip. Yeah, but I'm saying you break your back. Oh yeah, you you that's tough. <laughs> Not all of us have um Bruce Wayne's doctor in in Bane's prison. Bruce Wayne's stamina. Hey, a couple push-ups. Hold on. You back? You back? It's fine. First I'll break your your body. All right. First I'll I wonder what will break first, your spirits or your body. <laughs> it took me a couple of tries to get the quote right, but I got it. I got it. This is Bane's prison now. He wouldn't want this story told. <laughs> hey, few push-ups, few sit-ups, broken, broken spine, no problem. Just what? Go back and listen. If you like the Circle City Cinema, just go back and find the Dark Knight Rises pod. Great pod. All great three trilogy of, those, of pods. Great trilogy of pods, but man, the way that I shitted on Dark Knight Rises, I feel like I, you know, I gave it the justice that Gotham deserved. But not what it needed. <laughs> the silent protector. Although I guess I wasn't that silent if I said it into a microphone, but. They'll hunt him because they can take it. Why are they chasing him, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty calm, son, for a guy who just got thrown off a building. <laughs> Uh, Dad, Batman's here. <laughs> I hate the part in Dark Knight Rises where Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like, "Get your heads down, it's coming!" And then the one kid goes, "No, it's Batman!" And then Batman, <laughs> God, just get so pissed off about that movie. Jeez. Oh, well, Alex, time to plug. You already plugged some old pods. <laughs> what do you have to plug oh. now? Go listen. If you want to listen to a three-hour Dark Knight podcast, by all means. It was honestly will... too short. <laughs> Probably. Fuck, fuck Wurtz and Ramirez. That's all you need to worst, know. Worst cop, Zach. Wurtz and Ramirez are the cop in this episode that profiled oh. Sam Wilson. <laughs> it's close. I'm going with this guy. Yeah. You know, listen, did Wurtz and Ramirez kill Rachel? Yeah. Yeah, they did. But were they racist? No. So... Not that I could tell. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe this is unanimous, but yeah, <laughs> fuck that guy. Um, so the power hour. First of all, Zach, um, Zach, JD, and Caleb Lynn, we all did a massive trade pod that's gonna come out. This is coming out on Monday. Um, the trade yeah, deadline came pod, out today. Trade deadline pod came out today. That was fun. and we really I feel like we really hit all the angles that needed to be hit. And it was really, it was long, but it was really good. So if you like your NBA coverage, go check that out. And then this week, this week, the teams are the Thunder, the Nuggets, and the the Hornets for the, um, for the power hour. And Zach, we just had the worst luck with getting the Hornets. Oh, dude, that, that's you and Caleb Lynn, the, the LaMelo super fan. Just really, really tough, really tough beats for you guys. I was... I was in shambles when he got hurt and then I checked the schedule and I'm like, Oh no, not next week. <laughs> I know dude. That's <laughs> Hey, but when you get to the Nets, you'll have something to talk about now. No, we Nets was last week. Ah, oh, damn it. 
that's what ah! actually so <laughs> let me tell you zach well you still got to talk about it though we get the nuggets this week so we get to see aaron gordon and javel mckee in action that's nice. so no more isaiah no more hartenstein thank god hartenstein <sighs> say it in the um Hartenstein. Werner Herzog voice. I would like to see you say Hartenstein. Hartenstein. <laughs> oh, sp- speaking of which, I'm, I'm just really excited next week to see um, Frederick Zola <laughs> make his reappearance in the MCU. Helmut Zemo. From this range, I'm a real Frederick Zola. <laughs> Helmut Zemo. You love it. What else you got? Um, that I mean, Lynn Sanity. You know, I was on Lynn Sanity last week. I was previewing the first round, or reviewing the first and second rounds, and I predicted the Loyola Chicago would go to the Final Four, and that prediction blew up spectacularly in my well, face. Well, what was your prediction on uh, Baylor? Because I I think they're losing right now. Baylor, I also had going to the Final Four, so it'd be funny if. All my picks lost in the next two days. My picks were Gonzaga. Um, I had Alabama. I had Ed Gonzaga, Alabama, Loyola, and Baylor. So if all four of those teams lose in the next couple of days, hey, I'm just not meant for the prediction business. <laughs> Baylor is, in fact, losing right now. They're losing by six. How much uh, time is left? How much time is left? 14 minutes in the second oh, half. Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. No, no, no. I, I, I got I to gotta run a horrible take by you that I heard last night. All right. I think it was after you left the Zoom. Bryce Shaddy said Jay Wright sucks. Said he sucks as a coach. <laughs> think half the NBA would hire Jay Wright right now. Just look at all the guys that come into the league from Villanova and start uh, playing yeah, well. Right I know away. you and Dylan are big Nova guys. Listen, my overarching draft philosophy, if I was a team picking from 10 to 30 every year, is I just draft Villanova guys. He said he would take Chris Beard, Chris Holtman. He would, t- he would take them over Jay Wright. I'm surprised that he hasn't gotten an NBA job, but Listen, you know, when he's so embedded at Villanova, I don't blame him. But that's Bryce Shaddy, that's absolutely ridiculous. And I can't I can't believe you said that. That's it's absurd. Well, here was my take, because he said he would take Coach K over him. And hey. I said I said right now, this moment in time, I would take Jay Wright over Coach K. It's probably fair. I mean I didn't think it was too outlandish. Jay Wright's actually won in the last few years. Jay Wright won two titles in three seasons. Yeah, and he that's a great point. K hasn't won since I know K won in fifteen, but he didn't win with Zion and RJ. It might have been the shit. most talented team he's ever had. He, he didn't, didn't even get to the with, final four. Didn't do shit with Brandon Ingram. Didn't do shit with Jason Tatum. Didn't I don't know Bagley, Bagley and Bagley and Wendell Carter, the bus twins. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bagley's more of a bus than Wendell Carter. <laughs> That's for another time, I think. Uh, <laughs> don't get Dylan Hughes started on Marvin Bagley. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> uh, Baylor's now only down by two. But uh, for me on the cinema, kind of a busy week this week. I'm recording my Snyder Cut monologue tomorrow, Alex. Probably will both be out. These probably will both be out on Monday. Because, or probably this out on Monday and then Snyder Cut out on Tuesday because I don't think we have anything else coming up the Schneid next week. So... 
Well, Insanity, you'll probably be recording on Wednesday if I had to guess. This is a really weird schedule for college basketball to go back to college basketball. Why are they playing it the is really eight, weird. Why are they playing the second set of Elite Eight games on a Tuesday? I, I don't know. It seems I don't know how the ratings are doing, but that doesn't seem ideal for ratings. I mean, they outdraw NBA pretty regularly, but oh yeah, I imagine the tournament, no doubt. Just like just the tournament though, and then just people watch it work, right? <laughs> exactly. And NBA games aren't on while you're at work, so no, they're not. They're not. But yeah, Lin Sanity will be rally out next Thursday if I had to guess sometime around then. A little sneak peek of my Snyder Cut monologue. Um, I will have a whole segment dedicated to advocating for Nick Cage as Lex Luthor. <laughs> I, I can't wait. Little tidbit. I got. I think I'll have time tomorrow, so Snyder Cut might be in my immediate future. Okay. All right. What else we got coming up on cinema? We got Fast Four. We're still doing our. Uh, road to F9. We got fast forward this week. Um, undoubtedly the worst entry in the franchise. I'm talking it with Bryce and Devin. And then you will be on this week. Favorite movie series. Talking about your favorite movie. What is it, Alex? Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. And I love no movie more than I love Goodwill. I mean, we we already actually talked about my two other favorites in Goodfellas and um, The Dark Knight. So, I mean, it, this is my favorite any, either way, but process of elimination made this really easy um i gotta go see about a girl son of a bitch you stole my line <laughs> you know the best part of my day is that 10 about seconds. 10 seconds <laughs> i pull up to your door and i hope that you're not there <laughs> that'll be great that'll be great and then i believe that is it we i think we will try and get a battleground out this week the uh, the one we put out yesterday was kind of a running hook battleground crossover. At least that's Combo, what I said yeah. it was. So it was a value meal from the drive through. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you you really got bang for your buck on. You did. You totally did. It was a two for two. You loved it. You loved to see it. Uh, but Alex, thanks for coming on. Looking forward to doing these Marvel shows again with you. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me. As always, folks. Thanks for listening.